When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week we look at the elections in Pakistan, which take place this weekend. Optimists say that these elections will mark an important turning point for the country. Pakistan's first transfer of power between one democratically elected government and another since the foundation of the state. But pessimists point to the background of violence against which the elections are taking place and the continuing parlous state of the economy. So to assess all this, joining me on the line from Pakistan is Victor Mallet, our South Asia bureau chief, and in the studio, Stefan Wagstall, who's editor of our Beyond Bricks website. Victor, first of all, can you just bring us up to date? The vote's a few days away. What's expected to happen? What kind of government is likely to emerge? Well, it seems it will almost certainly be a coalition government, although no one really knows. The polling is not entirely reliable. It looks like Nawaz Sharif, who was twice Prime Minister before, and his Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz will win the most seats, and therefore he is likely to become the Prime Minister or the President. It's it's a bit unclear which and how that will work. But he will probably have to have a coalition partner. Uh, And that would either be the outgoing government, the Pakistan People's Party, or possibly Imran Khan's newish party, which is trying to sweep away the old politics and has said it doesn't really want to be in coalition with old-fashioned politicians. And Imran, I gather, has had an accident just a few days before the voting. Yes, it was, it was very unfortunate. He was being lifted on a forklift up to a stage for a big political rally in Lahore, and somebody bumped into him, and he fell off with his bodyguard, plunged to the ground, and suffered quite bad head injuries and was taken off to hospital. However, he seems to be okay. He's, he's lying in his hospital bed and is able to talk and communicate with his supporters. And he might end up doing his last rally that was supposed to be up here in Islamabad, I think, perhaps by video link or something like that. Now, Stefan, I said that there are a couple of ways of looking at this election optimistically as showing that Pakistani democracy is finally bedding down, the military's got out of politics and so on, or pessimistically that the place is still chaotic. Which of those kind of views still do you think prevail among investors and the kind of people who might be thinking of doing business with Pakistan? Well, it's curious. So the first thing to say is that the stock market has gone through the roof. The stock market's doubled since 2009 and has been rising very rapidly recently. It seems that investors are betting on Nawaz Sharif to win. He is a businessman. He was a prime minister before. He was seen then as very favourably inclined towards particularly big business. And what's good for big business can be good for stocks and shares. There's also a cynical note here. He might do them a few favours in terms of tax breaks and other regulatory changes in and around the stock exchange. Part of the recent movement has indeed been related to a tax amnesty that affected some of the inflows. So that narrow group of people is positive. But that said, it doesn't necessarily mean that what's good for them is good for the rest of the economy, let alone for foreign investors. You're talking here of an economy that's been chugging along very slowly, growing at 3%, inflation's high, the fiscal deficits are high, and the government debt is mounting. 
The silver lining, though, is if there is a solid victory, with or without Nawaz Sharif at the head, and somehow that government puts together a credible economic package, which can then be the basis of serious negotiations with the IMF, that will be good for investors home and abroad, because what investors want is stability. And it could be that bringing in the fund will help do that. Victor, now, Stefan talks about the need for stability. And of course, in recent years, Pakistan's been racked by a series of terrorist incidents, violent Islamism, at times seemed close to civil war. I mean, how is that kind of military uh, political stability angle playing out during the election period? Yeah, I, th- I think it's extremely worrying. I mean, you have these Taliban Islamist extremists. They have been killing literally hundreds of people uh, that they regard as apostates, whether they're the wrong kind of Muslims, Shia Muslims, um, other minorities, and indeed many innocent civilians, and also targeting politicians from liberal and secular parties. But that Nawaz Sharif, for example, is saying he would negotiate with them and, and try to end this violence. Whether he will be able to do that is not clear. But interestingly, that's his number two priority. His number one priority is economic, and uh, it's about the power cuts that afflict the country. And this is a huge issue that affects business, it affects individuals. And if Pakistan can solve that problem, which most people think it can, then that would really put the whole economy on a better track and would also ease the political process and perhaps make it easier to either defeat or co-opt the Taliban. I mean, Stefan, how confident are you on this question of power cuts? Victor suggests that it should be fixable. Well, there's certainly in the last 20 years, uh, when there has been a background of political violence, been periods when the economy has performed better and when indeed the power situation has been better than now. So I, I agree that it is something that um, an improved management, even of the existing resources, can help. But what's really needed is root and branch investment in this sector, as indeed in others. And that will take time. That's not something that even one term of uh, a new government could really put right. And Victor, you mentioned the Islamist issue. Now, Nawaz Sharif, as you say, talks about negotiating with them. What kind of discussions or deal might he be able to strike? And also, are there Islamist parties running in the election and have a sense of how popular they are, at least through the ballot box? There are a few minor Islamist parties running in some parts of the country. Historically, elections and polls show that... uh, extremist groups don't seem to get more than about 10 or 12 percent of the vote when they take part. The Taliban, on the very extreme edge of things, have basically said that voting and taking part in the democratic processes is is un-Islamic because there should be a caliphate uh, and uh, an Islamic state and that all this is nonsense, this idea of Western democracy. I think the tricky thing will be, if, if there is to be any kind of negotiation, will be to persuade the armed forces, which, as you know, have have intervened many times in the past in Pakistani politics, that this is acceptable to them. They they are now said to have lost more soldiers in fighting extremists such as the Taliban than they have in all the wars against India. So it's a very sensitive issue as to how the military is brought on board with any kind of negotiating process with other opponents of the government. And of course, all this takes place against the background of the proposed NATO withdrawal from Afghanistan next year. How do those two situations interact? I mean, the great Western nightmare, as you know, has always been that not only is Afghanistan unstable and with a powerful and violent Islamist movement, but that that spills over the border and destabilizes Pakistan. 
Do you think that that is a danger? Yes, I think it is. And, and, and I think the Pakistanis think it's a danger too. Indeed, it's, it's already happened in a sense that the, the, the Taliban in Pakistan is, is, is highly destabilizing to Pakistan. And, and the, the Pakistani authorities, and certainly the, the outgoing civilian government, which is widely regarded as incompetent and, and corrupt, was very late to realize the significance of the destabilization of Pakistan itself. But I think a lot will depend on, on the attitude of the Americans in, for example, supporting IMF loans for Pakistan in, in continuing providing aid, which they're still doing directly to Pakistan, both for the military and for, and for non-defense issues. And as the Americans pull out of Afghanistan, they may say to themselves, well, should we really be spending all this money on helping Pakistan when they're not very friendly to us? And I think that would definitely be a concern but probably not until a year or 18 months down the road. To conclude then, Stefan, I mean, I guess one hope for Pakistan might be the fact that it's a, it's a slightly anomalous country in the sense that a lot of Asia's boomed in, in, in recent years. Even India has been doing significantly better economically. Do you think that in 10 years' time, Pakistan might finally have been sort of sucked into the surrounding Asian boom? Is there some hope for that? It's hard to see that happening without um, political stability. It's true that countries get sucked into the prosperity of their own neighbours, but only when they're ready for it, and indeed only when they're open for it. And as we know, relations between India and Pakistan are so difficult that the economic ties are much smaller than they ought to be. If and when that changes, then Pakistan will have a very bright future. I just don't see it happening in, in the next couple of years. Victor, what's your view on this regional aspect? I think it is important to remember that, that countries do finally catch up and get integrated when they open up and when they start to reform. And Burma, Myanmar now is, is a classic example of this, where right now there's extraordinary investor interest in, in Myanmar in all kinds of different sectors of the economy. And Pakistan could clearly benefit from the same kind of renewed interest from abroad, especially since it's already quite integrated into into the international economy through textile exports, interest from Gulf investors and so on. And I think there is also a real possibility that relations with India will improve, in fact, especially if Nawaz Sharif becomes prime minister or president, because he has previously done a peace deal with India and says that he wants to do the same again. OK, well, on that optimistic note, we'll leave it. Victor Mallet in Pakistan, thank you very much indeed. Thanks also to Stefan Wagstall here in the studio in London. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.